Hi, I'm the Ish Girl, and you're listening to episode 79 of In the Middle of It, the podcast where parents and teachers can find ideas, strategies, and resources for connecting with teens. Hey there, I'm Amy, also known as the Ish Girl, and I am so glad that we're hanging out today. Now, if you're new here, welcome, and if you've been around a while, I just love seeing you guys again. Regardless, I wanted to let you guys know up front that today's episode is the how-to part or follow-up to what I talked about last week in episode 78. We're going to be diving back into parent-teacher communication today so I can share some practical tips and strategies with you guys. And you may want to jump back to episode 78 first so that you can get the mindset shift portion of our talk on this out of the way first. But before I begin, I just had to share on a personal note how excited I am that my son's school district has decided to go ahead and hold graduations in person and live. We are just over the moon about it. And to all of you out there who also have seniors who are not having that opportunity, just know that my heart goes out to you. But I hope that you can celebrate with me too right now that um, that our kids are getting this chance to walk the stage. There are definitely a lot of um, social distancing protocols being put in place. But um, again, we're just super excited that we'll be able to watch Patrick walk across the stage and get his diploma. Now he'll be picking it up off of a table and it won't be handed to him by his principal, but hey, we'll take whatever we can get. Okay, let's dive into parent-teacher communication now. So last week we talked about how oftentimes the dynamic between teachers and parents is very cautious, if not absolutely contentious. Now, if you are on the teacher side of things, it is super easy, and we talked about this last week, to fall into dreading and trying to avoid parent contact. Or when you do make parent contact, you just agonize over exactly what you're going to say and how you're going to say it and all the things. And if you're on the parent side of things, it's easy to go all mama bear on a teacher before you really hear everything that that teacher has to say or fully understand the whole scope of the situation. And, and, I'm, and I want to throw this in here too. Perhaps your experience with parent-teacher communication has been positive and lovely. And if it has been, oh my gosh, I would love to hear about that from you. Whether you respond to one of my weekly emails, if you're subscribed, or just throwing it out there on social media, because, oh my goodness, what I would love to talk to you and hear all about what that looks like. Because I do think that historically, um, especially as society has changed a little bit, like it's definitely not the same as it was in our parents' day or even in our own days of being in school. And so the dynamic has shifted a little bit. And along with that has come some, um, again, like I said, caution, if not outright contentiousness. So, okay. Having said that, I think you would agree that neither of those characteristics of communicating with parent between parents and teachers is a great way to support our teens and our students. So right now, before we go any further, I do want to acknowledge that teachers and parents right now during this uh, COVID-19 crisis where we're quarantined and there's lots of e-learning going on, Everyone is doing their absolute best at communicating, sometimes even going to extreme measures to do it. I I don't know if you guys have seen, there's been videos that have been put out there where 
And I think I saw a teacher with a whiteboard with a glass storm door in between he and his student as he taught a math concept. And then even just the other night, I was watching a news story about a high school principal who went and visited every single one of his seniors. And I think there were like 600 of them. And they had done all the math where this is how many miles he had driven and how long it took him and all that kind of stuff. But it was very impressive. So I know that we're all trying, but I do have a tough question for you that I'm going to respectfully ask you to just consider. And that is, is there room for improvement in the parent-teacher dynamic you have going on and how you communicate? I'm going to assume that some of you are answering yes And my next logical question is, how are you going to do that? Now, I'm going to fall back on a Gandhi quote here that is very overused, but very appropriate, I think, which is you have to be the change you want to see in the world. So if you want your parent-teacher communication dynamic to change, you have to be the one to spearhead that effort. And that means setting aside any of your previous experiences and moving forward in a different way. Last week was all about the first step, the setting aside your history and your preconceived ideas. And I created a free resource to help you do that. You can go back and listen to episode 78 and then grab that resource. And it's also on this week's show notes page, which is the ishgirl.com forward slash EP79. And that is the shift your communication mindset inventory. This week is all about the second step, how you're going to move forward in a different way. So let's dig in. So the first order of business here is that when you determined that some kind of communication needs to happen, you first need to ask yourself, is this something that your student or child needs to do on his or her own. And I think our end goal here as parents and as educators is to empower our students and kids to advocate for themselves. And so guiding them, empowering them by giving them language to use, um, role-playing with them and helping them get to a point where they can advocate for themselves, of course, is the end goal. But sometimes with middle schoolers, They're just not quite to that point yet, or perhaps whatever it is you're communicating is not something that developmentally they're really able to have a conversation about with an adult. So if that's the case, then to prepare yourself for communication on behalf of of your teen or student, you really need to start by asking yourself the following questions. First of all, what is the purpose? And we're going to talk about here in a minute the different kinds of parent-teacher communication that are out there. So you decide the purpose and who the audience is. Are you writing something to a parent or to a teacher? Are you writing something to a colleague if you're a teacher or to the administration if you're a parent or teacher? So you get the idea. You've got to decide who your audience is. You need to determine what outcome you want from the communication. And that again, that's going to go back to what the purpose of the communication is. And then you need to decide what format and context you want to use. Now, I'm just going to share a little story about this here because it's definitely a this is what you don't want it to look like. And I remember when my kiddos were in elementary school and 
One of them was in a pullout class for gifted and talented students. And at the particular age that my kid was at this point, it was one of those years where developmentally things were just a little squirrely. Focus and attention was a little bit of a struggle. And I don't know if you can tell, but I'm striving really hard here to not give a personal pronoun or a name because I don't want to call out either one of my kids in this way. But I do want to share that this pullout teacher approached me. We were at an event at the school and it was like a curriculum night or something like that where they were displaying like different science projects and different art projects and, you know, writing samples and things like that. It was a totally fun elementary school night where you get to go and see the work that your kid is doing and the activities they're doing in class. And it was awesome until this particular pullout teacher approached me in the cafeteria with tons of other parents and kids around and said something along the lines of, hey, have you ever had your child tested for ADD or ADHD? Because we've really been having a problem in class with paying attention and blah, blah, blah. And it was horrifying because number one, I try to be super sensitive with my kids as far as helping them preserve their dignity and being discreet, which you may be laughing because ironic that I have a podcast where I'm talking about them. But um, nevertheless, in a context like that, as a teacher myself, I knew without a doubt that if that was truly a concern that she had, then she needed to take her time during her school day to either email me or reach out so that we could have a private conversation about her concerns. So I, I was not happy about that at all. And it was not a good situation. It was not the context that she should have used to try to talk to me about things that way. In the same way, I would not go up as a parent, and I'm sure teachers have experienced this as well. I would not go up to a teacher at an event like that and say, hey, my kid is really struggling with your teaching on that math concept. Can we talk about that? It's not the time or the place. So just be really sure that you are choosing a great context for how and when and you're going to communicate. So the next thing we're going to talk about is different frameworks that you can use in order to communicate. And these are basically just little formulas that you can use that help communicate things in a way that is effective maybe um, not as confrontational, perhaps, as something that's a little more blunt. And that kind of demonstrate to the person you're, you're writing or speaking to that you know the student involved and you're invested in that student and you want to work together to help that student succeed. Okay, so the first framework would be what I call the sandwich format. You guys may have heard of this already, but if you think of a sandwich and all the different layers, this is what your communication would look like. And and I would say, whether it is in person or in writing, this is the format you would want to follow. So just imagine a sandwich and all the different layers. And we're just going to say we have two pieces of bread that are sandwiching together like uh, lettuce and lunch meat and cheese. And so what that framework is, is the top piece of bread would be your introduction and the first topping or or filling would be a positive comment um, something that is an affirmation of the student that you are referring to whether it's your own child or whether it's a student in your classroom and then the next 
piece of the sandwich is going to be maybe a problem or a challenge or concern that you have regarding the student. And then you're going to do another layer of positive and an affirmation or a detail that you have noticed about the student. And then the bottom piece of bread is going to be your closing. Okay, so that's the format of the sandwich. And what I would say is in the different kinds of parent-teacher communication that we're talking about, one of the things that you will have to address at some point, if you haven't already, is when there is a problem or concern and you do need to work together as a parent and or as a teacher to, to solve it together. So again, I would say speak in person first, use that sandwich format. And within that sandwich format, you wanna make sure that you include things that you've already tried to address the problem. You're gonna make a suggestion for the next step that you're gonna take, okay? And, and then you're going to make sure when you sign it, whether you're a teacher or a parent, make sure you have a good signature line. And I'm not talking about pretty handwriting or um, a fancy way of writing your name with a fun font. I am talking about making sure you have all your information there so that the parent knows that you are, you know, an eighth grade social studies teacher or a 10th grade English teacher or what have you so that so that they can place you easily. Because again, like I said last week, between both of my kids, I'm getting 16 emails from different teachers every week, along with all of the other district emails and school emails. And so having a quick, easy way to identify who exactly this person is, what they teach, which of my kids they have, that kind of thing. A signature line goes a long way with that. And for parents, in your signature line, if you want to make sure you can include other ways that the teacher can contact you if necessary, like a phone number or um, or a website, or if you prefer to be texted or whatever, if that can be in your signature, that's really helpful. Okay, so I just wanted to share a couple of examples of what that letter might look like. And just to let you guys know, I do have a free resource this week that is basically a parent-teacher communication checklist so that you can go through and kind of make sure you're hitting all of the marks for these formats that I'm talking about. And, and I've included these examples in that document, that checklist. So you are welcome to head to my website, theishgirl.com forward slash EP79 and pick up that free checklist there. Okay, so here's the first letter. It would be from a teacher directed towards a parent. Dear parent, I am John's social studies teacher and I wanted to let you know how much I enjoyed his recent presentation on the legislative branch of government. I can tell he put a lot of effort and time into it. I also wanted to reach out because John has been struggling to stay on task in class recently and it is impacting other learners. We've worked together to come up with a plan to help him stay on track and so far it hasn't been effective. I would love to meet with you via phone or in person to talk about how we can work together to support John and help him make better choices in class. Feel free to respond to this email to coordinate a good time to get together. John's enthusiasm for history is apparent in his passion for watching the History Channel and reading autobiographies about the Civil War. I want to make sure we're encouraging that passion while at the same time holding him accountable for following classroom expectations. I look forward to hearing from you with kind regards, Mrs. XXX. Okay, if you'll notice in there, I provided some very specific details that told that parent that I knew 
who John was, that he enjoyed watching the History Channel, that he enjoyed autobiographies about the Civil War. These are things that I would have had to talk to John about and know, to be able to get to know him in a way that I could speak to those things. So again, that goes a long way towards creating connection with the parent. Okay, still sticking with that same type of communication, which is we have an issue, concern, or problem that we need to work on together. Here is an example of the parent version. Dear teacher, Tom enjoyed your recent unit on the legislative branch of government so much, especially the project on Supreme Court justices. Your passion for social studies is apparent in the things he shares about your class. We're reaching out because Tom has shared that some of his classmates have been disrupting class and Tom is being lumped in with that group. This is especially distressing to Tom, not only because he respects you, but also because he takes pride in working hard to excel in school. We've encouraged him to talk with you about this during tutorial time before or after school, but he is hesitant because he's not sure how to start the conversation. We would love to meet with you and with Tom to talk about this challenge. I know your planning period is at 1.30. We're free any day next week at that time to get together. You're welcome to call if that is an easier way to coordinate the meeting. You can reach us at, and then the number. It's admirable how your passion for civics is impacting students like Tom, getting them excited about how our country was created in the branches of our government. We look forward to hearing from you. Sincerely, Bob and Sue Smith. Okay, so again, positive reinforcement, stating what the issue is, giving examples, and then more positive reinforcement, again, with specifics. Okay, so that is the uh, having a concern or an issue type of communication. The next kind of communication that I'd like to talk about is the fun kind, which would be offering a compliment or giving a thank you or just giving a, a kudos to someone, what you might call just a charming note. And with this one, and I totally just made this up, but I'm calling it the parfait format. So it's similar to the sandwich format, only all the layers are just yummy, sweet goodness, right? So with that, you use the same kind of thing where, where every layer is just positive. But the thing that you really want to do is to give concrete examples. All right. So here is the teacher version of that letter. Dear parent, I'm reaching out to let you know how much I enjoy having Amir in second period civics. His leadership in class stands out, as does his sense of humor. We recently did a project on the legislative branch of government, and I wanted you to know what an excellent job Amir did. During his presentation on Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Marshall, his public speaking skills shone. He had everyone in class riveted as he performed the equality speech that Marshall gave in 1978. I am proud of Amir's work and wanted to make sure you were aware of the results of the time, effort, and creativity he put into the project. I've included a link to the video of his presentation here. Warmly, Mrs. So-and-so, eighth grade civics teacher. And, the, and those are the fun letters to write. Okay, and here's the parent version of a compliment, thank you, or kudos type note. Dear teacher, we wanted to let you know how much you impacted our daughter, Ella, when you talked to her during lunch last week. Your compassion and listening ear meant the world to her and to us. Ella has struggled with her friend group during the past few months, and talking with you helped her feel seen and heard. 
Thank you for recognizing that she needed help. We appreciate the fact that you cared enough to take time out of your busy day to encourage her. We recognize your genuine care for Ella and your focus on showing up for your students however they need you, and we couldn't be more grateful. Warmly, Bob and Sue Smith. So again, you're focusing in on something really specific. This isn't just a, hey, you're a great teacher, love you, you're my kid's favorite or anything like that. And it's not a, hey, parent, great kid, love to have, have them in my class, blah, blah, blah. You're giving specific concrete examples. Now, the next two kinds of communication are more informational based. And so the first one would be when you need to share information with a parent or with a teacher for a specific reason. And this is going to follow more of what I would call the article format where you're looking at who, what, when, where, and why. Maybe not necessarily where, but the who, what, when, and why you definitely want to hit. Again, you're going to use specifics, but you're also going to explain why you're sharing the information. Okay. So here's the teacher example. Dear parent, attached you'll find Emma's test scores for this quarter. There's a detailed explanation for the scores attached as well, outlining the standards and benchmarks that were assessed. Keeping you informed about Emma's progress is an important part of our strategy for supporting her academic success. If you have any questions about Emma's results, feel free to contact me or Emma's counselor via email or at, and then give a phone number. Sincerely, Ms. So-and-so, eighth grade civics teacher. Okay, now here's an example of what it might look like when a parent writes and I need to share information with you email or has a conversation. Dear teacher, Macy recently had braces put on and is experiencing some discomfort as she adjusts to the rubber bands and other gear. She is extremely self-conscious about the change and has stopped being as vocal as she normally is. When she does speak, she does it with her mouth partially closed so that no one can see the brackets. We wanted you to be aware of the situation so you are not concerned by this change in her behavior. Thank you for your support and understanding as Macy goes through this stage in her development. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us via email or at, and add a phone number, kind regards, Bob and Sue Smith. So again, you're just giving information. You're not asking for anything back from the teacher. You just want to make the her or him aware of the situation and, um, and let them know what's going on. Okay, the next version of communication would be the I need you to do something communication. Okay, and with this one, you're just going to use a recipe format. And if you can just think of it as like a list of things to do with measurable results. And before I go into the examples of this, I just wanted to share two stories with you. Number one, I worked with a science teacher during my first couple of years of teaching, and she was new as well. And one of the activities that she had the students do before they started doing labs was to write out instructions on how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And so then she would choose the best couple of them and she would actually have the peanut butter, the bread, the jelly, and she would follow the instructions exactly how the students had written them. And it was hysterical. Like we would all take turns during our off periods going in and watching because it was so much fun to see kind of the crazy things that ended up happening because the directions were not clear or sequential even. So um, just keep that in mind as you are writing out instructional type communications and, um, and just be sure things that may seem a given that everybody would know or 
um, simplistic to you, sometimes they just need to be spelled out for people. And the other thing is, is when you're receiving instructions or, you know, a list of something to do from either a teacher or a parent, then I would like to share this story about an assignment that I had for my kids, usually within the first week or two of school, where it was this whole long page of things that kids were supposed to do. And it was a list of instructions and it started out and the very first thing was, number one, read through all the instructions first. And then it would be like, number two, stand up and hop in a circle for 30 seconds. Number three, cluck like a chicken. Number four, and it was all of this huge list of like 20 crazy things that kids were supposed to do until the very last line, which said, don't do any of the things between number two and number 20. So number 21 was don't do any of those things. Write your name at the top of the paper, circle it and go put it on Mrs. Kelly's desk. And so literally, I think the most I ever had who caught on to it at one time in one class was maybe like three or four kids. And the whole rest of the class, you know, which was like between 23 and 25 other kids were hopping and clucking like chickens and turning in circles and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. So it was a fun way to remind them to read very carefully what you're being asked to do. So, okay. Now, having said all that, I'm going to share, here's my example of what a teacher might write to a parent. Dear parent, next month, all eighth grade students will be taking a field trip to the American History Museum. Please read the following information carefully and sign and return the attached permission slip. Students need to arrive at school at blah, blah, blah on Tuesday. And then the next few sentences are all the details about the field trip. And then the next section is, please, number one, read through atta the attached permission slip. Number two, fill in your child's name. Number three, fill in your emergency contact information. Number four, indicate if you would be willing to chaperone. Number five, sign it. And number six, return it with your student to their homeroom teachers no later than Friday, March 27th. If you have any questions, please contact our team leader, Ms. Johnson, or our team counselor, Ms. Campbell. Sincerely, 8th grade team A, and Mrs. So-and-so, Mr. So-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so, and just the list of teachers. Okay, and here is the I need you to do something from a parent. Dear teacher, Josh has recently been diagnosed with mononucleosis. His doctors have indicated that he will be home recuperating for at least three weeks. We want to make sure that Josh stays on track with his learning during his recovery, and we kindly ask that you do the following. One, provide weekly assignments, streamlined if possible, either digitally or physically. We will be picking up work in the front office from all his teachers on Fridays at 3 o'clock. Number two, be available for any questions Josh has via email. Number three, provide weekly feedback on the work Josh is turning in. Number four, work with us to provide Josh with any instruction or other support he may need to learn the material. Thank you so much for your help in keeping Josh current with his classwork. Our first pickup will be this Friday, March 27th. If you have any questions or concerns, please contact us via email or at and give a phone number. Sincerely, Bob and Sue Smith. Okay, as a teacher, if I had received that last email, I would have thought, wow, really involved, really focused parent. But I also might have thought, I can't do that. I can barely keep up with my own stuff. So 
So in that situation, I would recommend that you respond to it with what you can do for them. So we'll just list back and say, here is what I'll be able to provide for Josh. Maybe cover your bases and talk to Josh's counselor or your team counselor or whatever, and and make sure that, that you're within the bounds of what your school has set forth as their makeup policy, et cetera. And, uh, and just really ask for what you need the same way the parent asked for what they needed. Because just because the parent asked for that, or just because a teacher asked for something, You can always go back and dialogue about it and go back and forth as long as you're doing it respectfully and as long as you're trying to understand the other person's side of things. In this particular case, the parent is really clearly concerned with their son and him getting well, but also him not getting behind. And you want to encourage their spirit of learning and and staying engaged with school, but you also maybe need to set some realistic expectations with them. So maybe you could go back and say, I'll provide assignments every two weeks or feedback every three weeks or however it's going to work for best for you and your schedule. And do it in a way where when you read that first letter, maybe try to have the mindset of, this makes sense that this mom and dad want this for their kid. They're not attacking me or, or, or trying to micromanage me. They're just trying to do what's best for their kid. And I have the ability to speak my truth and ask for my needs too. Okay, so to wrap up your parent-teacher communication, whether you're meeting in person or making a phone or a Zoom call or writing an email or a physical note, just make sure you're prepared ahead of time. If it's gonna be a real-time meeting, at the very least, I would jot down your talking points using these frameworks that I've shared. And you may even want to literally outline or script it if you're nervous and worried you won't be able to stay on track and hit all your points. But before you make contact, just make sure you take a couple of final steps to review and revise and format your communication, especially with the written word. So number one, ask yourself, did I set the right tone? Now, one of the things I meant to mention as I was reading through the letters is a lot of times tone can be found in teeny tiny words. For example, if you have ever thought about switching out the word but with the word and, that makes a tremendous difference in the tone of an email. So for instance, in that email example that I read where it was the kid who was causing a disruption in class and I had written a sentence that said something along the lines of Tommy and I have worked together to create a plan to help him stay on track and it has not been successful. Well think about how different that sounds than Tommy and I have worked on a plan to help him stay on track but it's not been successful. Those are two very different tones that you have there. And so especially when you don't have the benefit of being able to use actual tones when you're speaking, if it's the written word, um, little words like that are super important. Okay, the next question you need to ask is, is this as simple as I can possibly make it? So you really have shaved it down to just the essentials with no extra fluff so that they're not having to try to figure out, okay, what what are they, what is this person trying to t- tell me here or share with me here? One of my favorite quotes is by the author of The Little Prince, Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, and that is, perfection is achieved not when there's nothing more to add, but when there is nothing left to take away. 
Okay, so keeping that as a rule of thumb, making sure you've streamlined things, that's going to go a long way in helping your communication to be clear and concise. And then the last thing that I would have you ask yourself is this, and it may surprise you a little bit, but that is, is there white space? As a friend and I were talking about this, she said that in her corporate career, she was often told there's power in the white space. And what that means is the way that you fashion the words on the page matters. And think about yourself when you open an email, which is easier to read? Something that's just one huge chunk of text with no breaks for paragraphs or anything like that, or bullet points or that kind of thing or something that's nicely formatted, that has space, that helps you see what the main points are because of the way that it's formatted. It really is gonna be beneficial to you as well as to the person reading for your words to be as easily digestible as possible because it's much more likely that a parent or a teacher is going to be able to even scan through a well-formatted, email than they are to try to trudge through just a huge paragraph of sentence after sentence after sentence. Okay, just a quick aside here that I wanted to add. I was talking to a couple of friends recently about someone I knew who was experiencing micromanagement. And one of these friends pointed out something that I had never thought of before, but makes total sense to me. And what she said is that when someone is feeling micromanaged, it's usually a red flag that they need to communicate more. So when you over-communicate, when you proactively share information to preempt any questions that might come up, you really prevent that feeling of someone looking over your shoulder if that's where the micromanaging is stemming from. Now, that's not always the case, but it's worth a try. So it may be that you have that person who is just gonna be looking over your shoulder no matter what. There are definitely those people, but I think it is worth a try to over-communicate to see if you can kind of alleviate that. Okay, what we're gonna do now is flip things to talk about what it looks like to be on the receiving end of communication and having a positive dynamic there. So here are some steps that you can follow to keep a positive dynamic when you're receiving parent-teacher communication. So number one, I would say begin by assuming the best. You're assuming that we're all on the same page, that we all want what's best for these students or your child. Number two, be curious rather than demanding. So when you're asking questions, if you can keep a curious tone rather than a demanding tone, that is going to serve you well. And also, if you're having trouble doing that, or if you're having trouble keeping a respectful tone, I would say stop and take a couple of deep breaths so that you can regain a sense of calm. And if you're communicating in real time and find that you're having trouble processing in the moment because maybe you are feeling attacked, then say you're having trouble processing in the moment and ask for more time or even ask for a written version of the information if you think it's going to be helpful or doable. So give yourself some space. It is okay to say, you know what, I really want to hear what you have to say. Can we pause for just a second so I can process what you've shared with me so far? And then do that. Just sit down, process, jot a couple notes down if you need to, take those deep breaths. I think most people will be very open to that. 
And then also remember that everyone makes sense. And what I mean by that is that when you know someone's story, when you know their background, then most times their behavior, their attitudes, their actions suddenly become much more understandable. And when you can understand where someone is coming from, you tend to have a lot more patience and a lot more compassion for them. So implementing all of these communication strategies can really help to alleviate that dread that we talked about. Teachers might have contacting parents, the defensiveness that some parents may have when um, working with the t- their kids' teachers, and it might help eliminate a whole lot of stress and anxiety you have around those parent-teacher communications. What you have to decide is this. Do you want to be proactive and set the tone when you engage in parent-teacher communication, trying to create a more positive dynamic and interaction? Or do you want to be reactive and avoid it until there's no other choice left or approach it with suspicion and distrust? When it comes to communicating in a way that best supports our kids, I vote for proactive every time. And if you want to be proactive too, you can get started by checking out some of the helpful articles that I have curated for you guys on my show notes page. That's at theishgirl.com forward slash EP79. I've included information on things like design and wording and different strategies. And I think my favorite one, the article that I found was one that is called How to Write Guides for Busy Grouchy People. I thought that was great. And then again, I've also created a free checklist that you can download to help you keep these suggestions and frameworks in mind. And that again includes those examples of the letters that I share with you in today's episode. Again, you'll find a link to that in the show notes. And I would really love to know how this goes for you. You can reach out to me via all my socials. There are links, again, to to those on my show notes page, theishgirl.com forward slash EP79. Or you can join my email list and reply to me just directly through emails. And I respond to each and every one of those personally. And you don't want to miss them because I share things in those weekly emails that I don't talk about anywhere else. Okay, friends, thank you again for hanging out with me today. Truly, it means so much that you have invited me into your space to talk about serving your middle schoolers well. I appreciate you guys so much. From an ish girl who is beyond excited that my senior gets to have a real graduation ceremony, I am so grateful to be in the middle of it with you.